Good morning. I'm glad to be here. You have a very hospitable church that thinks through the details, and I'm thankful for that. So, but I am Brad Rhodes. Um, I have been married 26 years, have five kids. My first life was as a civil litigation attorney for 22 years. Left the law completely in uh, 2015 to uh, help marriages full-time, specifically helping the church disciple and shepherd marriages such that the church's marriage stand out like a light in the hill that draws a culture to Jesus and draws a culture to his church. So, so let us pray as we get started. Lord Jesus, we know that um, our only hope is you unless the Lord builds it. It is built in vain. And we know that nothing good comes apart from you. And we just ask that you would move in the hearts of everyone in here for your own glory and for our good. And thank you for loving us. We ask you to move mightily. Um, Show us what we need to see. Help us not feel condemned, but excited about the future. In Christ's name, amen. So when I got out of law school in 1993, I had been educated in the law, but I quickly learned I did not know how to be a lawyer. Uh, and you kind of find that out the hard way. You kind of have a lot more confidence as being a lawyer when you're a lawyer, then you don't know how to do it. So I'm, I go into court, and I've got my client beside me, and I'm coming up for the court appearance, and I make my little spiel, and my client's standing there, and the judge says, Brad, come here. So I walk up there, like, what? He goes, you're doing everything wrong. <laughs> you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. He's whispering, like, protecting me so I don't look like an idiot. And then I go back, and he said, this case is reset for two weeks. You know? So the interesting thing was... I was a lawyer, but I didn't know how to practice law. Now, in marriage, what happens people do is they get married and make the vow, but then they don't know how to be married. I have so many couples that have great dating experiences, and then they settle in, and marriage is not nearly as pretty as the courtship. That was my experience. It was 1996. I was single. I was walking to my office at night after I'd locked my keys in the car in Waco, Tennessee, um, with no money, and I'd pumped more gas in my car than I had money, and they didn't take credit. It's an interesting story. But I walked by an office, I look, and I see the most beautiful woman, Marilyn. I remember she was in a blue suit. And I walked in there and talked to her, and as I got to know her, she's even more beautiful on the inside. I mean, love Jesus, spontaneous, fun. I mean, I couldn't believe she existed, much less she liked me. I remember after two weeks of dating, a buddy of mine said, you've been dating two weeks, and I think it's a 90% chance you marry this girl. And I remember kind of freaking out, because I'm thinking, is there a 10% chance this falls apart? Because we can't have that. So three and a half months later, we're engaged. Seven and a half months, late, seven and a half months of dating, we're married. Don't recommend that. Um, but it ended up working out. But what happened was we had a great dating experience. When we got married, I did not really know how to be married and just kind of repeated what I'd seen and what the culture did. And with eight, within eight months, I went from her favorite person in the world to her least favorite person in the world. Because what did I do? When I got married, I just kind of went on with life. And what's the norm now? You're married and you're just married. It's not characterized by growth, not characterized by fun. I just went on building a law practice. And within three or four months of being married, we'd just be sitting in the car, and my wife would just cry. And I remember over, I said, honey, I didn't do anything. 
I just didn't get it. And the Lord later showed me that's the whole point. You didn't do anything. And I had a bigger vision for our marriage than watching you build a law practice and watching you leave every weekend to go to sporting events. So it was a really difficult start. And it's funny in dating, the, the kind of quirks of your spouse are funny. And you get married and they're not funny anymore. It was kind of laughable to her how messy I was. She thought it was funny. She found a dog hair in her ice cube. Yeah. Had a black lab that, uh, you know, we had kind of a white carpet with a black sheen across it. And um, but we got married. I remember she once said, it's one thing dropping the soap in the tub. She goes, but the wrapper? <laughs> I mean, she felt like she was married to a kid. So I just, so we were off on the wrong path. She felt I was thoughtless and sensitive. I thought she was needy and hypersensitive. I really thought if she would just calm down, we'd be all right. But I was wrong. But it's interesting because the Lord intervened in our marriage and actually started with Marilyn. God, Marilyn would tell you this if she was here. She said, the Lord almost spoke to me and said, Marilyn, I am enough for you. You don't need Brad. I'm enough for your beauty, your security, your joy, your everything. Even if Brad never changes, you can be just fine and a vibrant, joyful, happy woman. Your hope is not in clueless Brad getting a clue. And so she came to me and she said, Brad, I want to ask for your forgiveness. I've been asking for you from you and only Jesus Christ can give me. And one of the problems we see in marriage is people ask from it what only God can give. Marriage does not fix loneliness. Marriage does, marriage does not fix insecurity. Marriage doesn't make you feel unique, special, and beautiful. Only a revelation that you are beautiful, you're delighted in, you're unique, and there's no one like you, and your Father loves you, period, does that come from? So our marriage got stable. It went from really uh, rocky to stable, but we didn't have a great marriage still because I was still in the marriage. Still just, I mean, I even signed her up for a bowling league to, meet, to get new clients. Every Thursday night, pre-smoking ordinance, every Thursday night I would take her three hours for me to meet new people to find new clients for my law practice. She's a bad bowler in ugly clothes, because they give you uniforms, and it was, she was just miserable. But then I had an uncle who saw that I was succeeding in what didn't matter and failing in what matters most, showing me that if you build a great law practice or very financially secure and you're very active in the community and you have a flat, lifeless marriage, you have failed. So he forced me to go to a marriage conference, um, which I did not want to go to. When I mean forced, he called my office manager, cleared my schedule at work, called my wife, cleared my schedule at home, bought my ticket, then invited Marilyn's dad, and then, and then called me and asked me if I wanted to go. I said, well, I've got to check at work. Done. Yeah, but, so I went. And then, and this is why I said earlier in the prayer, unless the Lord moves in heart, nothing changes. And I went to this conference. I arrived at the conference thinking I was a really good guy. I left the conference thinking there's nothing in life that I'm really doing right. The scriptures were open to me and they're sharpening a double-edged sword. It said, Ephesians 5, 25, 
love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. And I was asked the question, what do you give up for your wife? And I ask you husbands, what do you give up for your wife? I really couldn't think of anything. I pretty much did what I wanted and asked and told her she could come along with me. I said, live with your wife in an understanding way. And I was asked, do you, do you ask her questions? Do you get deep into her world? Do you just listen to her and then understand her and take that knowledge and love her as the daughter of God never? Scripture, don't be harsh with your wife. I was more sarcastic, witty, and rude to her than I would ever be to any of you. And the Lord showed me, Brad, you've taken the most beautiful, precious thing that I've ever given you other than your salvation, and you've treated it like garbage for a year. And I came home and I said, honey, the only thing that's going to be different is everything. And I'm sorry. Every tear makes sense. Every complaint makes sense. And from this day forward, things will be different. And it was weird because I knew something had changed within me. It might be when I was saved. I told her, don't believe me. I wouldn't believe me. A year of being a jerk and I come back after a conference and say, hey, good news. I'm a nice guy now. I'm now gentle. But five years later, she believed me. And the, our marriage from that moment forward just took off. We started going on a date once a week. I started spending time with her. I started listening to her. It wasn't perfect. No marriage is. But I can tell you, we had a blast. If you want to know how a lawyer ends up in marriage ministry, we worked with our youth at the church. About 10 years into working with youth, we got our first premarital counseling request. And I said, why do you want us to do your counseling? We're not your pastors. So we want what you want. We want what you guys have. That looks like a lot of fun. And I said, well, buddy, it is a lot of fun. So we started teaching people to do marriage. And I don't know why God had given us favor with marriages. But we had about a two-year waiting list to be in a group we started. And then over time, I realized the church needs to be the salt and light in the family. In order to do that, we have to invest in our marriages, spend time, resources, money into our marriage to make them beautiful. We can't just let the culture keep spoiling the family without the church being aggressively involved. So my prayer for you at the Hills is that you'd be married in a way that our younger generation cannot wait for the day to get to do it. Because marriage is a great gig. You get to do life with your very best friend. We've had crushing tragedies in our family. And we cried together and I've done it. I've never done it alone. We've had amazing things occur and I've celebrated and enjoyed with Marilyn. But it's a great gift the Lord's given us, but right now we're conformed to the patterns of the world, busy people not spending time together like a butler married to a maid without marriages that are full of touch, affection, life, deep intimacy, and they're not attractional. And unless we change the way we do marriage, everything's going to continue to be the same. We are now at a point where 40% of young Americans, according to the Pew Research, believe marriage is an obsolete, archaic concept. And we think, how could that be? But you think about it. If you, the young people watch marriage, hey, if you get married, there's a 40 to 50% chance it'll end in bitter, painful divorce. But the good news is, if it doesn't, 
It'll be pretty boring. No, we need to show them that God gave you this beautiful gift to richly enjoy for his glory to draw people into the kingdom. And I can tell you, I love being married, but one of the reason is, is because somebody helped me do marriage differently. We go away, we have five kids, and four of them are girls. So if you have a lot of girls, you know the complexities that come with that. And it doesn't get less complex when they go to college. So, but we spend four to five hours, just the two of us, every week by ourselves in undistracted time. So what we want to do at the Hills is change the way marriage is done and show Evansville a new way that people come in these doors for the first time and they see affection, love, and the marriage relationship they've not seen before because there's power in a great marriage. And two things need to occur for that to take place. And the first is build your marriage on the foundation of grace. The second is replace busyness and complacency with intentionality. So we're going to start with grace. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Says sin won't have dominion or mastery over you because you're under grace, not law. It's not sin won't have dominion because you become so great. So the good news is your hope isn't great husband, great wife, great marriage. What it is is struggling husband, struggling wife, grace of Jesus, reconciliation, beautiful marriage, and Jesus Christ gets all the glory. Get it? It's like in most marriages, they're performance-based. Love's given and taken away based on how you're treated. You're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. You take me on a date, you treat me right, you might be blessed. You don't, you won't be blessed. But that, that's, that's not the gospel. The gospel is while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't look down and see us and say, wow, this is an impressive group. Think I'm going to save them, bring them on my team. He said, no, these are enemies of me in rebellion. And I'm going to send my son to die for them because I love them. And then how do I tell them each other love each other in marriage? Like that. So in a grace-based marriage, love, kindness, service, physical affection, it's just given away as a free gift of grace. Because what did you do to earn the grace of God? Nothing. What should your spouse have to do to earn your love? Nothing. Take all the pressure off one another. Let grace change the atmosphere and let two struggling people have a blast for the glory of God. Now, let me kind of show you how it works with these illustrations. Because this is the key. It is the foundation. If it's not built on the gospel, it's built on vain. So you have husband and wife. And one of them inevitably sins. Life knocks us all off our horse. And when you sin, you move away from the person. For some, it's being snappy. For me, it's going cold and shutting down and isolating. So when that happens, what's the natural reaction of the spouse? I go cold. What's Marilyn's natural reaction? Take offense, move away from me. You know, if it's not fun, I'm getting away from it. So she moves away from me. So when that happens, what do I do? Do I do better or worse? I do worse. When I do worse, what she do? Better or worse? Boom, 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 boom. Sin has dominion, mastery, and control. And there's a sin barrier that prevents enjoyment and intimacy. 
Now, in a grace-based marriage, it's totally different. Like in a performance-based marriage, like Scripture says, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar, the truth's not in you. Paul says, I do what I shouldn't do and don't do what I should do. So one moves away from the other. But instead of taking offense and withdrawing, he thinks pursuit, grace, and love. Think of that passage in Ecclesiastes, pity the man that falls and has no one to help him up. So in our, in our marriage, by the grace of God, I struggle, get stressed, anxious, don't sleep, not nice to Marilyn. Marilyn's response, prayer, pursuit, kindness, love. I'm going to do everything I can to get my husband out of this ditch. Marilyn struggles with kids, worry, shingles twice. Do I take offense that she doesn't seem to like me or want to spend time to be? No. I go get her and love her and pursue her because I want the gospel to be put on display in our marriage. And let me tell you specifically how it works. So we had a season in our marriage. My daughter, one of my daughters was 10. She couldn't sleep. She came to bed with us. Um, Marilyn had a weird feeling at, at mid, about midnight she quit breathing completely. We panicked, started to scream. Marilyn started screaming. I, I learned why I shouldn't go into emergency medicine because I never found the inhaler and broke my toe and did blood footprints all over the house. But we, should, we thought she had died in her arms. Turns out she had a grandma seizure. They couldn't tell us why. They didn't know. Marilyn went to bed every day afraid our child would wake up, would not wake up. So for a year, Marilyn was depressed. She was anxious. She couldn't sleep. She didn't have any affection to give me. But by God's kindness, he showed me, Brad, don't tell her you need to get in the word more, have better habits, do all this, get yourself out of the ditch. I just tried to love Marilyn. And then I got a call one day and from Marilyn and she says, Brad, I'm happy. What? You're happy? She goes, yeah, I'm happy today. And I'd forgotten what it felt like to be happy. It had been so long. And, and it went the other way too. I had a real rough year in the law practice. I, I felt I had made a mistake in a case. I'd beat myself up about it. I, I was, I mean, I even looked pale. I was so anxious. I'd get up at three in the morning before church and research for four or five hours knowing I'm crazy, knowing I shouldn't be anxious, but I'm just anxious, not knowing how I see it. And I come home one day from work and Marilyn's crying. I'm like, what's wrong? She said, I'm worried about you and I've been praying for you all afternoon. I'm just begging God to help you. But she didn't take offense that I was immature and not strong enough. She just went to war. She loved me as if I was doing well when I was doing terrible. And that's why Matthew 7 says, if we build something on the foundation of the rock of Jesus, it will last when the storms come. Because if we didn't get grace and we didn't have our marriage built on that rock, those two years would have destroyed us. Because there was a long stretch that I didn't love Marilyn at all. And there was a long stretch she didn't love me at all. She just had nothing to give. And even in the day-to-day -day stuff, like Marilyn and I are totally different. I'm a list guy. You've got to make sure you accomplish the most important things every day. You keep a running list. Marilyn hates list, hates structure. Just work consistently and don't worry about it. It'll take care of itself over time. Drives, 
can drive me crazy. So one time she forgot our daughter's prescription and she was beating herself up. How could a mom forget a prescription your daughter needs? And because I understood grace, I said, Marilyn, okay. I was tempted to say, if you did list, <laughs> if we instituted a fridge system for you, you know, you would see that and our daughter's sick would have her prescription. But by God's kindness, I didn't do that. Said, Marilyn, you do a thousand things a day for me and the kids. You're the best mom I've ever met. You forgot one prescription. Who cares? I'll pick it up in the morning and drop it off at the house. She was completely released from condemnation. And God helped me go to war against the accuser by encouraging and loving her despite her, her flaws. And we've all got flaws. So the main thing I would tell you today is put your marriage under the grace of Jesus Christ. Christ, it is the only hope for a long-term good, long good marriage. Second, replace complacency with intentionality. The model of marriage now in the church and outside the church is flurry of dating, get married, settle into a norm you tolerate, and if you ever get to a point you hate each other or thinking about leaving each other, call a pastor or counselor. Most churches have premarital counseling and crisis counseling and have nothing for the marriage. One pastor told me, he said, I've realized the only thing we're missing in marriage ministry is that marriage. <laughs> we, we, we've got divorce care, which is good. We've got crisis counseling, which is good. We've got premarital, which is good. But we have nothing. And a strategy to prevent crisis is much easier than to try to fix crisis. And if 40 to 50% of marriages end up divorced, every one of us who are married are at risk of crisis. I do crisis counsel. Every couple that comes to me never thought they would come to me. And if I spoke this to them, they wouldn't have thought it applied to them. So my, my prayer is that you get involved in the Hills Marriage Ministry so you're proactive in your marriage, you're growing, you're growing in physical intimacy, you're going in spiritual intimacy, you're going in time together, you're going in casting a vision together, and your marriage is getting better and better. It's a new model, it's a strategic model, it's a proactive model, it's a growth approach. It's not a settle into a busy life approach and if it ever flies off the tracks, ask a pastor or counselor to come how get us fixed. One pastor told me, he said, it's like people bring in thousand piece puzzles and drop them on my desk and say, can you put it together for us? And God does move in crisis in mighty ways sometimes. But there are more sad stories when you hit, when crisis hits. It's just learning to invest. And you ask yourself, why, why is it? I mean, we get it, marriage... Christ in the church, husband and wife, we all agree marriage is the most horizontal, most important horizontal relationship in your life. Why is it that we don't give it significant time, money, and creative energy? Two things. One, I think the church has become too conformed to the patterns of the world. The world does not prioritize marriage. In fact, it now ridicules marriage. Marriage is marked... Old ball and chain, archaic, restrictive, duty. Marriage is not thought of as a beautiful thing. I was at a restaurant with my wife not too long ago when we were eating and we were talking and laughing and the waiter came up and said, hey man, y'all dating? I'm 53 with a ring. 
Two hints. But he assumed we couldn't be married. Why? Because we were having fun. Isn't that sad? I saw another couple at a restaurant. He was an older couple, and they were sitting at a nice restaurant eating, and I, he was just sitting on his phone during dinner, which don't do that, guys. And um, I heard her say, if you did that when we dated, I would have never married you. He went. Just started pecking away. And that's the complacency that kills marriage. And Hebrews tells us, let marriage be held in honor among all. And I know at the hills from talking to your leadership, they want marriage to be held in honor here. They want it to be that this is a place with an atmosphere of love and affection and beauty and depth. Because how do you benefit children and youth the most? You have an amazing atmosphere in your marriage at home. The best thing you can do for your kids and your youth, for those that have them, is to model an amazing marriage and show them what love, affection, and beauty look like because your marriage is atmospheric. So I want to tell you a little bit about what The Hills is doing. As a lawyer that owned part of my practice, I had the responsibility of handling 200 cases and managing the business. And I'm getting ready to tell you how Grace Marriage came about. So it was really hard to manage the business and handle all the cases both. Um, so the business piece would always get pushed to the back burner because the urgent day-to-day -day case stuff. Well, I was engaged by a business coaching program that every 90 days get out of your business and work on your vision, on, on your business. So every 90 days we'd say, what do we want Roads and Roads Law Firm to look like? How could it be better? Staffing everything, we didn't work on one case. By doing that, over a five-year period, we doubled in size, and my work week was down to 35 hours a week. And it hit me, what if couples were as intentional in their marriage if I've been engaged to be intentional in my business? Could marriages grow and be beautiful if people gave them attention? So in 2012, he did an experiment and he took 11 couples and said, get out of your marriage and work on your marriage. And the couple spent time together, one Saturday morning a quarter, or it was Friday morning at the time, and they cast vision together, they celebrated wins, they planned their quarter together, they revisited biblical principles, and they found that marriage was way better. And then it grew in our church, grew into other churches, is now in about 130 churches. So what the model is that the Hills is asking you to participate in is give your marriage four hours and $50 a quarter, or a total of $200 a year, and cast a vision together and spend time together addressing issues, celebrating wins, and planning time together so you're intentional with your marriage and your marriage never gets away from you. Because my prayer is the church of Jesus Christ completely changes the reality and perception of marriage and that marriage is completely rebranded and God's order for the family is restored. And our only hope is the local church because we are the salt and light. And if we're going to stop the spoilage in our culture, we have to have marriages that look way different than the marriage of the culture. And I get it. It is hard. I've got five kids, and four of them are really complicated. 
I have one very simple son. <laughs> Extremely simple. But so what we're asking you to do is we want your participation in the marriage ministry to be as standard as kids and kids ministry. Because if you want to reach kids, you've got to grow marriages. And for those that's been divorced, there's no condemnation in Christ. God teaches us to be a windshield guy, not rearview mirror guy. God kind of showed me, Brad, when, when you're convicted, it's for your good. It's not for your condemnation. I remember one time I taught on physical touch, non-sexual physical touch. And after we spoke, I asked Marilyn, how do you think I'm doing in that? She goes, do you really want to know? I'm like, I guess. She goes, you touched me like our dog Lucy. I'm like, what? She says, have you ever thought I don't enjoy this? Like we just sit in church. It's like, how you doing, babe? And she's like, you know, I hate that. But she was like, you mad? I said, no. I said, we got a great marriage and I'll touch you a little better. You know? So as you go into this, it's not bad husband be better, bad wife be better. It's great God. Draw closer to me and draw closer to one another for your good and my glory. So when you come to this on, in the mornings for four hours, you're not going to leave feeling bad. You're going to leave feeling refreshed in the grace of Jesus, delighted in by God, and excited about becoming closer to and enjoying the absolute most important person in your life. I think the Hills can promise you if you do this, it will be your four best dates of the year.